0: Good morning, everybody. Today, uh, the Lord wants to teach you about how Jesus prioritizes the spiritual family and his will even above the natural family. So if you're taking notes and you want to know the title of the message, it's the priority of the spiritual family and the mission of God. Or to be simpler, the priority of the church family and its mission. We're going to learn some lessons from Jesus today. And even though he's king of kings and lord of lords, he's fully God, fully man. He also had a natural family, he had an earthly father in Joseph, he had a mother. Mary. He had brothers and sisters. We forget that. And I think we can learn some lessons about the priority of the church, even above some of those earthly family relationships. And that's not to denigrate the importance of a natural family. We all come from a different kind of family. Some of us have really great natural families. And when I define family, I mean, the family you grew up in, whether functional or dysfunctional, adopted, single parent, no matter what situation you grew up in, that's a natural family. But God wants you to know this, is that as we do the work of God, as we pursue Christ, we find ourselves with new brothers and sisters. And Jesus says those are your brothers and sisters. That is your family. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, This came about through a conversation with uh, Mushin, who is in this church, and her husband, Robert. And they are new converts. They were baptized last year. And you know that Mushin has a radio ministry. She was kind of like an NPR-type host in China. But since becoming a believer, she now has a call in her life. Um, That family has a call to reach... China for christ through the radio waves and her partner said to her as you give yourself to christ you better be careful because the enemy is going to attack you and sure enough she got a call back in china that her father had a terrible stroke and he was telling her you need to come home you need to come home and because of the situation you know visa and whatnot it was like a fork in the road And she didn't have any intention to do ill, right? She wants to be a good daughter. And especially in Chinese culture, you you are to go back. But she knew if she were to go back, she would be saying no to what God said she was to do with her life. That's a tough place, isn't it? And so today, um, and so as I was talking to her and helping the family look at the scriptures, I came to the verses, and it's some of Jesus' hardest teachings— his, his word here that we're going to look at, if you want to turn, there's two scriptures. We're going to be looking at Matthew 12 and also Luke 14. And these are some of the hardest sayings that Jesus has, and they're often misunderstood. So why don't you just turn in your Bibles to Matthew 12. And once again, what we're looking at is the priority of the church, family, and mission. Matthew 12, verse 46 through 50. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Turn to Luke 14. You can keep your hand in that other passage. Luke 14, 25 through 27. You thought that passage was hard. Listen to this one. Now great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Let's pray. Jesus, these are hard words. Open up the eyes of our hearts so we can understand what it means to be in your family. I think all of us here, we come with our own baggage from our own natural families. Or even our previous church families, Lord, teach us today through your word. Reset our minds of how we, City Bible Church and the local church, how we are meant to be brothers and sisters on mission, following you, and in doing so, we become a family. Help us today, in Jesus' name, amen. So I already gave you the definition, okay, of, uh, I'm going to be looking at, we'll look at the Matthew passage first. And I define the natural family as the family you grew up in or the the family that you're in now, okay? And uh, that's in contrast to the spiritual family or the church family. And remember, here Jesus is saying what? Look in verse 50, excuse me, Matthew 12, verse 50. How does Jesus define his family? He says, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven... Everyone say does. Does is doing. It's not just sitting down. It's not just having a social club. It's doing the work. Are we saved by our works? No. But we become a family when we do the work of God. What is the work of Jesus? To make disciples, to seek and save that which is lost, to expand his kingdom. But if you look at verse 50, whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. That's kind of a hard deal. You know, in Matthew 12, what's happening is Jesus is explaining what his kingdom is about. And you've got to remember, what was Jesus' natural family like? We don't always think about it, but if you think about it, Jesus' natural family had its own share of trials and problems. Jesus' natural family was poor. How do we know this? Because uh, in Leviticus, it says that if you go to the temple— you need to bring a lamb. And if you don't have enough money for a lamb, you bring a turtle dove. And that's what Mary and Joseph brought. So we knew that Jesus' family didn't grow up with a lot of money. And later on, Jesus said, even the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. Jesus was also grew up a refugee. Is that true? Didn't they have to escape to Egypt? <laughs> they had to escape to a foreign country because Herod was trying to kill all the babies in Bethlehem, and they had to leave for a period of time. Jesus was discriminated against. What good can come out of Nazareth? Right? He also had a bad name, and his family had a bad name. Jesus was known as someone who was an illegitimate child, because in John 8, the Pharisees say, you don't even know who your father is. Right? They knew that mary had had jesus out of wedlock now mary could say it was the holy spirit but a lot of people say yeah sure it was <laughs> they didn't believe her and just think about it jesus is a grown man and in the heat of the battle what do the pharisees say they say you don't even know who your dad is but don't worry jesus gets him back and says oh yeah well you're a son of a devil that's your father And then Jesus had half-brothers and sisters, and they had conflict. They didn't believe in him, and we'll talk about that. And as I said, the church family's definition, once again, are those who go into the world and do his work. If you look at Luke 14, look at the Luke 14 passage. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and even his own life, he can't be his disciple. Why would he say something like that? Why would he say something so, so harsh? It's a comparison. You read the word of God. It's very, very obvious, like in 1 Timothy 3, that it's important for any leader to have good order in their household. And if a father doesn't take care of his children, it's one of the worst things God says. So God is not saying to hate your natural family, to hate your wife, to hate your husband. That's not what he's teaching. But what he is teaching is that there's a difference in priority. There's a difference in priority. And that's a hard thing to for us to get our, our minds around. Genesis 1, Ephesians 5, it talks about marriage and family and you know, I stand before you as someone who is helping in the ministry of, of Fellowship of the Rings. And of course, marriage, family, functional family is all important. But none of us come from a perfect place. Okay, so as I was helping Mushin and looking at these scriptures, I thought it was really important to put things in perspective. Is that, you know, if, you know, I came from a good functional family, my parents came to Christ. When I was very young. And Jen came from a crazy family situation. Never knew her father. Her mother was involved in um, unspeakable sin and and criminal lifestyle. Jen herself grew up in escort clubs and as a child had to drink beer and all this stuff. So if there was like a dysfunctional family contest, Jen's would be like, she would definitely place. So... But it doesn't really, it doesn't matter what you're coming out of. It's what you're going into. And that's what God wants to encourage you. I'm sorry, I'm skipping around a little bit. But getting back to the Matthew 12 passage is that what you have here is Jesus is doing his ministry. And he's healing people. He casts out a demon. And then Mary and her brothers are trying to approach, right? And they're kind of probably saying, like, Jesus is stirring things up. Who knows what they're going to say? Maybe they're just like, "Hey, calm down. Hey, we got to go home. We got to the games on." I don't know what it was. But they want Jesus to calm down. And Jesus was a good son, he's a good brother, but in certain moments of our lives, it's really important that we prioritize the church family. And that's what Jesus did here. And the definition of the church family is those who do the work of God to expand his kingdom and to obey his will. Does that make sense? You following? So if you're taking notes, the first uh, principle is that Jesus prioritizes the church family over natural family. Jesus prioritizes the church family, more importantly, the mission of God, over natural family and natural family relationships. So in Mushin's example, is very poignant, right? Go home, please family, maybe not please God. But it's a tough place to be. Is it always so cut and dried? Of course not. When possible, we try to always honor Our earthly parents, we always love our families. But, like in my family, my life is not just about my family. You see, in the world, there's a riddle. There's a riddle in life. And it usually starts with us saying as individuals, I want to be happy. My purpose in life is to be happy. And then you get up in the morning, and the first you look in the mirror, and then the first thing you ask yourself is, how happy am I? <laughs> and you realize that, and you go on your social media feeds, and you find out how happy everyone else is, and then you become miserable and depressed. Is that true? And then you begin to realize that, wow, living for myself, living for my own happiness, leaves me feeling vacuous and empty. You think about the great missionaries, and you think about the apostles, Do you think they, or Jesus, do you think they got up in the morning and said, How can I be happy today? They woke up and they wanted to do the will of the Father and their lives were full of meaning. All of us have a desire for lives that are full of meaning. And by prioritizing Jesus' will, we find ourselves, wow, our lives are full of purpose and then there's family around me. Let's look at Jesus' posture. When Jesus was a little boy. We hear in the book of Luke, you remember the this, this situation? There's a real parental panic moment. Okay? So Jesus, he's probably a great son, right? Of course. He's Jesus. But his mom and dad go to Jerusalem to participate in the religious festivals, and then they're wandering, they go home, and it's a big caravan. A couple days in, they're realizing, where's Jesus? I thought he was with you. I thought he was the uncle. I thought he was with them. Then they go back and they say, they find Jesus reasoning with the scholars in the temple. You remember the story? And what does Jesus say? Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? So even though Jesus was a great son, even at a young age, there were certain times where he has to obey God's call even above his earthly parents' call. And then it says that he always followed and he was an obedient child. He was a good child. So that's an example where in our lives, there are going to be times where we ruffle the feathers of our family members around us because of your commitment to this church and to the work of the ministry. Hasn't that happened? Won't it happen? Now, listen, we should participate in the birthday parties. We should participate in in the events all that we can. But if those things becomes so great that it pulls you out of the work of God, and I'll leave that between you and the Holy Spirit, then anything can become an idol, even a good thing like a family event. One of the brothers in this church is from a culture where they always have family events on every weekend. (laughs) And so if you want to participate on second day, on Easter, on Good Friday, if you want to participate in evangelism or small group or outreach, you have to start saying no to certain events. While other family members are saying yes to every event, and they're saying, why aren't you coming? Do You know what I mean? And so there's a little divide, there's a little rift, and there's a little judgment. But that same brother, when there's a family crisis, and in the middle of the night when there's a knock on the door, who do they go to? They go to the one that's going to church. They go to the one because the best way, and this is pretty much the second major point, is that if you want to help your natural family, be involved in the will of Jesus. Be involved in the church. Be involved in ministry. Prioritizing the church family and the mission of God is the best thing you can do for your natural family. And there's always pulls. And last week, was, it, was Easter last week? There's a real precious moment, and I, I shared this with Mushin. If Jesus, do you think Jesus was a good son? What do you think? Do you think he was a good son? I think he was a great son. I think he provided well. I want to buy a Jesus coffee table. He was a carpenter, right? you think anyway that's the sidebar there's got to be furniture out there that was made great by jesus that's still out there i want to dig it up and i want it in my house wouldn't that be amazing so he provided for his mom because joseph is out of the scene so he's been providing by being a great craftsman creating probably functional and artistic pieces for 30 years jesus is working in his trade that's worship right he's using his god-given gifts and talents To provide for his mother, provide for his family. Do you think Jesus, especially as a Hebrew son, the oldest Hebrew son, do you think he felt an obligation to take care of his widow mom? What do you think? You you follow? Do you think Jesus felt a deep sense as the oldest son, an obligation to take care of his mom? Of course he did. But did he? There's this beautiful image in John 19.30. You can, you can look it up. But we talked about this on good, uh, on good Friday last week when Jesus said, it is finished. You remember that moment when he paid for our sin on the cross? Right before Jesus said, it is finished. Do you know what his last business was? He looked at John, and he says, look, there's your mother. Mother, this is your son. God the Father provided for the earthly family of Jesus. Do you catch that? Jesus obeyed and went to the cross, even though he prayed, take this cup from me if you can. Okay, I'll obey, but what about my mom? I'm going to entrust myself to the Father. I'm going to entrust this loved one. To you, God, I have to do this. I have to follow this path. I really care about them, but I have to do the work. And then look how God the Father came through. Isn't that amazing? We we kind of miss that. It's such a precious moment. Right before he said it is finished, he looks down and he says, there's, you know, so Jesus, fully God, fully man. And even, you know, in, in a lot of churches I've been in, in, in godly people, I've seen people in trust. See, John wasn't even blood relative, was he? Jesus had brothers. Why didn't the brothers take care of it? it? says that John took Mary into his house. If you look around here, some of us are more brothers than your own natural brother. And more sisters than your own natural sister. True? If you want to really get deep and theological, think of this. In heaven, the Word of God says there's no more marriage. Right? So, Jen won't be my wife, but she's my sister in Christ. My son Isaiah, my son Jeremiah, they're my natural son. But last week, Jeremiah was baptized. He's now my spiritual brother. So, what does that mean? That means that the spiritual relationship, the priority of the church relationship supersedes natural relationships. Now, natural relationships are huge, but it's not everything. And so the second principle, as I said, is we have to prioritize the church family and the mission, and that's the best thing you can do for your natural family. What do you do when you have... In, in in my extended family, you have people who are who had substance problems. You have people who have wayward children. You have people who have serious issues, and you have to really discern the spirit of God in this of how much involvement you need to have. I've seen people in other church circles that I'm in and people I minister to where um, you have a a mother who's a widow who has a son who's on drugs on the street and her. New life mission is that son. And what she had to learn is that she has to draw a certain boundary and commit that person to God. There might be someone in your mind, and and believe me, minister to the person, invite them to church, share the gospel. But at some point, sometimes you have to just do, Jesus just went to the cross and he had to commit Mary to God. And sometimes you have to commit that wayward person to the lord so don't halt doing the mission of god for the sake of any natural relationship does that make sense what about jesus brothers what happened with jesus brothers you don't have to turn there but in john 8 You know, Jesus had just escaped Jerusalem, and he was almost killed, right? Because Jesus is stirring things up, and the Pharisees are getting mad, and he just escapes with his life, and his disciples are afraid. And then what does his brothers do? Can you imagine having Jesus as your older brother? Why can't you be more like your brother Jesus? (laughs) He knows all his math problems, okay? He does everything perfect. He probably cleans his room, makes his bed. He's perfect. And so there's obviously his brothers. It says, and I'll read really quick from John 8. It says, now the Jews' feast of Tabernacles is at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, depart from here and go into Judea that your disciples may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret. While these things, show yourself to the world. And it says in verse 5, listen to this. This is Jesus' brothers. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Isn't that wild? Even Jesus, so just because your family members don't believe you or think you're nuts a little bit, you do the mission of God. You continue to do the work. You continue to carry your cross and to do the will of Jesus. And good things will happen even if you don't see it. Jesus died, he rose again, and then what happens? The book of James is written by whom? His natural brother who disbelieved him earlier. Isn't that awesome? God is at work even if you don't see it. Jen's mother? Huh, you want to hear about a successful evangelist? Okay, this is, this is the great fruit I had. We're, trying, we're engaged. We're trying to minister to Jen's mom. I come home, uh, I, I go over to the house where she's staying. She has roommates and all this. And I see all over the ground, family pictures ripped up. The Bible we gave, ripped up. Little pieces, this big. Is that insane? All the Bible ripped up. And then she goes back and I'm thinking, what? This is hopeless. Maybe on a deathbed conversion. But God did something great, and she got saved, and she quit her job. The only work she had known is prostitution and managing an escort club. And she said, I read in the Bible that drunkards won't be in heaven, and so I quit those places, and then she just, she just gave it all up. And I'm thinking, is this insane? How did that happen? You don't always have to be directly involved. All we did is we committed her to the Lord. Point one, prioritize the church family over natural family. Point two is by prioritizing the church family and the mission, you actually do the best you can for your natural family. I do want to say one thing is that, you know, sometimes you can use like a, they call it the sunshine policy, where like what I encouraged uh, Mushin to do and what I did with my brother my brother and I were never estranged, but I would say at some point we weren't exactly close, and there were times when I would just call him on holidays and leave a message and not get anything back. That used to irk me before, but I just gave it to God. I'm just going to love this person. I mean, I'm going to love my brother, and I will call him. I'll encourage him. I'll pray for him. I know some of you have natural brothers, and you're not at that close, or, or sisters, I just love them. Send them a card. Don't be too pushy. Pray for them regularly. And it took years. And just the other day, I was on a prayer walk, and I get a call, and he's calling me. For years, and he didn't think anything. Hey, just check and see what's up. You know, it used to be when I got a call, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, how's mom and dad? Is everything okay? All imperfect people, but as we follow Christ, You will discover you have a family, even if you had no natural family. We are each other's family. We are brothers and sisters. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you um, for your word today, even though it's a hard word. Jesus, you said that if we deny ourselves and pursue your will, we're your brother, we're your sister, we're your mother. For our natural families, I ask you to help us to lead our families, our marriages, our relationships well. Help us to encourage our brothers and sisters in the natural realm. Help us to honor our parents in the natural realm. Help us to be salt and light so when relatives and friends are in crisis, we are the people they go to, not because of us, because your spirit is in us. Lord, I'm reminded right now of what a sister in Christ shared very recently in Galatians. It says that we are to bear with one another's burdens. Help us to be a church through good and bad, through times of happiness or mourning, That we are there for each other like a true family. That we would reach out. That we would encourage. Help us feel the comfort of knowing that there's a family around us that love each other as we love you. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for your scriptures. Help us to be our disciples, your disciples. Help our loved ones come to you. Give us wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.